Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post Podcasts. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. Welcome to the We Are Limerick podcast. This show is being recorded on the 8th of March. This weekend, we'll see a special screening of It Will Rise With The Moon, a film which introduces the viewer to the people who patrol Limerick's bridges, saving many, many lives. Joining me for this week's podcast is Limerick Suicide Watch volunteer, Jeremy, and director of It Will Rise With The Moon, Leah Morgan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Leah, could you tell us a bit about your own background in filmmaking? Yeah, um, I suppose I would have studied music media and performance technology in UL. Um, I would have graduated back in 2014. So um, during that time, I suppose I kind of had my first run in with making film. Um, and then after that, I kind of experimented making my own shorts, um, short documentaries. And yeah, it was always just like a passion of mine. Um, I my last documentary, Amy, um, last year was in a lot of festivals, kind of internationally and in Ireland. So, yeah, so I I suppose it all started back in college. And since then, I, like, I work um, full-time in as a digital content creator up in Dublin, but making films, documentary films, is kind of now, I suppose, on the side. Um, but it's my main kind of passion as well. Um, I love kind of finding, like telling stories about almost like ordinary people um, who can do extraordinary things. I think, um, you know, everyone has a really interesting story to tell. And I think that's why I kind of love documentary film, especially. And, and this film in particular, uh, where did the idea come from? Or Yeah, so um, I created the film with um, Alan Ryan, the producer, and Sean McNamara. So the two of them um, approached me. I knew Sean from before. So they would have approached me probably about a year and a half ago now at the stage. And they had an idea that they wanted to make a film um, about the high suicide rates in Limerick. And, you know, we sat down and chatted. They wanted me to come on board to direct it. And we kind of met with a few different organisations. We met with like Theatre House and a few councillors in Limerick as well. Um, and kind of just discussing the um, the issue in the city. And then um, we spoke with... Limerick Suicide Watch, we went into the six volunteers, the lovely girls of them, um, had volunteered to take part. So we went down to the um, their base and we met them. And kind of after speaking to them, we decided that was the angle we wanted to go with for the film, that, you know, they all had quite interesting stories to tell themselves. So we thought it might be a nice angle to kind of show a different side to... Limerick Suicide Watch because we felt that a lot of people in Limerick especially would kind of see them out and about and know that they're there but not necessarily knowing that you know they're volunteers they have their own lives they're um you know giving up their time to do this extraordinary thing so that's I suppose how the film came about. And Ger, how was the filming experience for yourself? Uh new, <laughs> uh nervous for it uh, afraid I might make a mistake and not do what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was a great opportunity because, like Leah said, um, 
it was an opportunity for us to get our side of the story out. We had um, a, a meeting there not too long ago and one person said to us, wouldn't it be great if we got uh, some of you to tell your stories because the people are more interested in the actual stories and the actual people who were involved rather than just here and here, hearsay and other people just talking. So um, I actually told it and we have a film, Rise with the Moon coming out. So um, we decided then this is the best way then for us to get get everything across. And it, it was brilliant that Leah gave us the chance to do it. And, and how was it sitting down in front of a camera? And um, what I found was that once you got into it, it was actually like an intervention. Uh, mainly because you literally kind of, you're so into it when you're doing an intervention, you actually, you're zoned in for that period of time. And the the interview was something like that because you're, you're in the moment and you're telling your story and you're passionate about it. And you want people to, <coughs> excuse me, to understand why you do it and why actual people are actually down by the side of the river. Because mm -hmm. people will come out and say, oh, they're silly, they shouldn't be doing that and all that thing. Having other things that they could get out of or something like that, but, you know, everybody's vulnerable. So it was brilliant so that we could tell our side of it and for the poor person that could be by the side of the river, tell their side of it. And uh, even from your own side of things, when I introduced you in the show, I mentioned you were a volunteer, and you're all volunteers. Yes. So most of you would have full time jobs. Yes. How is it? How how difficult is it to balance that? Well, we um, we do have a requirement to do three nights in a month, and that'd be two weeknights and one weekend night. But we often do more anyway. But that's the requirement. So everybody's told that at the very start when they come in, this is the stipulation that you have to adhere to. So um, we all work our way around that then. Somebody could be saying, oh no, I'm working early in the morning, so I can't do one night this week, but I know I'm gonna be off next week, so I'll do the next week. So we all kind of, you know, it works. Mm -hmm. So- um, It's a big group as well, isn't it? It's, um, we have 72 at the moment members. I think there's 10 more. Um, at the moment uh, being interviewed and then uh, talking to Lucy up here the other night and she was telling me that there could be a witness of about 20-30 more. And you reckon after this uh, documentary goes live you might start your film career and you have to find more recruits to replace you maybe? Well that's <laughs> up to Leah, no, you know, kind of, it's pity the Oscars are over just at the moment but here <laughs> I live in hope. <laughs> Leah, the filming process, did you yeah. go out on the night with the group or what was that experience? Um, yeah, so me, Alan and Sean would all have kind of been working full time as well. So we were kind of scheduling filming um, in between our schedules and the six volunteers um, that we were filming. So it would have, we would have, I wanted, so for the interview parts, um, I wanted it to kind of get an insight into each volunteer's life. So we would have filmed um, the interviews in 
each of their homes. So, like, say, I would have visited Jerry's house and met his dogs, all his lovely dogs, and, like, his family, and, you know, that comes across in the film as well. So I kind of wanted to, I suppose, add as much about Jerry, the person um, behind, I suppose, the orange vest, um, the orange jackets, you know, to get that across on screen. So we spent a good bit of time in each of their homes, um, and then we did go out. We actually, we organised, um, on one of their days off, I suppose, from the patrols, we organised the volunteers director, I think you were away, but um, just so we could have all the volunteers in the film, because necessarily they wouldn't be on the same shift. So we organised a night where they just went out and we would have gone around with the cameras with them. But I think even that night there was like an intervention. Like it's just crazy. Um, you know, it's just always happening. Even they weren't even meant to be out that night, but there was someone in distress that night. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we did go out and we got to kind of see what they do. And um, that was good for us as well, I think, because, you know, it's only one thing talking about what they do and then telling us but to actually see it in your own eyes was quite eye-opening for us as well um and I I kind of realized after that night I was like I don't think personally I I wouldn't be able to do what they do like it's so such a hard job even to walk like I wasn't even involved in the intervention but like obviously I wasn't but even all of me Alan and Sean and my friend Jack was having us in that night we were all you know took it with us almost afterwards it was like just crazy to see um, that it just does happen so regularly as well. But uh, in the group there's a counselling services and stuff isn't there? Yes um, literally straight after the intervention and once we know that person has been taken away safely um, we'll actually have a little group talk the team that's, that's there and then uh, at the end of the night then we'll have a, a debrief when we go back to the base uh, we'd make a we log the intervention and the following day then um, the team that were on nearly contact each other to make sure everybody was okay. Um, our welfare officers will actually ring ring us all to make sure we're okay and offer if you want to meet up for a cup of coffee and a, and a chat to get it out of your system again, that's there. And then if it's still at you and if it's still bugging you a bit, um, We've actually told everyone, even new members, if it gets you, you're only human, mm-hmm. they will get you. Mm-hmm. So we said, we have a professional counsellor that offers their time, uh, which is brilliant, and we can um, we can uh, make an appointment to see that person, and, and they will actually go through anything we have. Well, one thing I noticed when it, whenever I met any of the volunteers or the groups, uh, I was in your base recently, it's, it's more of a family bond than a team bond. How important is that with 72 members of the group? Well, it's very important because you have to know that you're actually, you're the last point of contact for that person down by the side of the river. And your team, you have to rely 100% in your team that they have your back. So if we have to do an intervention and we have to go down the slipway, we have throw bags and we have the hooks and we have to we hook onto each other for safety to so make sure every one of us is all uh, safe. We talk to each other and we say, this is your job if this happens, you do this, you contact emergency services. We'll go down and we'll try and talk to that person. So everything is teamwork and the humour, you know, you do need humour. Mm. 
and we have a great crack going around him so people think oh you should be going around like the Grim Reaper no you know because you have to have a bit of sense of humour kind of a thing and even during an intervention you know even bring in a bit of sense of humour sometimes you know what I mean just to cheer up the person you know and um, we get um, people that are coming around then to us and they're uh, say oh thanks very much you know what I mean and that to us means a lot that you know, you know and we all when we get together then we feel like we are doing something you know for the likes of yourselves you know Limerick Post that are interested in us that's a big boost to us to say we've been recognised latest coming down to us you know what I mean kind of and it's better than winning an Olympic gold medal doing other things to know that you're doing something and it's been recognised and you're helping somebody plus you know people like yourselves are actually putting it out there to other people to say that there is people out there there is help you can talk to somebody and that's our main main thing you know that's what makes us happy and you recently launched the app as well which even extends that reach a bit further doesn't it it's absolutely brilliant because if we meet people now we can um, say to them look if whatever uh, part that you're looking for for help, we have on our app that you can go to PATA, you can contact the Samaritans, you can, there's all other uh, points of contact that they can go to. There is um, events on the page as well that people that if they say, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, is there anything on our own? There's actually events on the page as well where they can go get out of there, you know what I mean, the, the dullness and maybe just mix with, with other people. There's a, an application form if the people wanted to join us, contact us. Um, all the information, everything you need to know, even about even about the volunteers and the history of us so far is all on the app page. So everything you need to know about us, it's there. We're upfront for everything. And uh, Leah, you spoke to us about your experience on the night out recording and stuff. Yeah. But uh, what did you take away from the one-on-one interviews? You, you get a different insight completely. Mm. And yourself, what, what did it mean to yourself to sit down with these people? Um, I found that every single one of the volunteers that we spoke to all had their own kind of reasons for joining. Um, that all varied, like you know some had maybe sadder stories than others or they might have affected it had been more affected by maybe the issue of suicide that might have led them to join but I found that they kind of each one of them kind of eat sleep and breathe almost liver suicide watches out like it's part of them and um, they're all so passionate about it. it's not just like something that they volunteer a few hours a month like it's literally something they're so busy with like events every month they're it's almost in every aspect of their life they bring it in um and I just find it it's very inspiring like not a lot of people would do that like in anything they volunteer and you know they might do it once a week or once a month or something and you know forget about it but I think for all the guys that we interviewed it's just very ingrained in them um yeah and I just I suppose I just it's very inspirational as I just like sit down with them all and hear their own stories and we all we all loved like meeting y'all and um you know having a chance like letting them open up um because i suppose you probably wouldn't have, like jerry probably you know wouldn't have really sat down and told someone 
reasons why they joined or you know maybe how it might affect their own lives because it does have a big impact as well on like their personal lives and you know because it's obviously very hard if you're out and talking to people in such dark places to you know go back home and make dinner for the kids like it's it's just it, I don't think people like even I wouldn't realize until I sit down with people with them that you know it is such a big task to kind of be able to switch off and do both to have like your personal life and have your you know volunteer kind of side to you as well um I suppose that's what I wanted the film as well to explore was that these people are normal people that do this thing and it's um you know it's very inspirational to I think myself and I'm sure everyone that watches the film um that hopefully they'll kind of get you know recognize the great work that they do as well as you know Appreciating them. <laughs> Have you seen the film yourself, Charles? Yes, yeah. yes. And what's the verdict? Uh, really impressed with it. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It does it, as the saying goes, it does exactly what it says in the tin. It gets the point across. As I said already, it's people will see the actual volunteers, hear their stories, see their background. We're nothing special. As Leah said, we're just ordinary people. She, she mentioned there that you go to you organize a lot of events every month. Yes. So I've seen the amount of equipment you have. Uh, it must cost a lot to gear up 72 people. You're talking roughly about 450 euro per person. And then you have to put training into that. Only last Sunday we had um, Ambicare from just cross the road there. Um, they came in and they did... Um, the first aid and the AED course with us all day on Sunday and they're doing it again next week and the week after again with us so all our members have to do that. We're um, the search and rescue we're out with some of our members and we're all ten interns on Wednesday night done by St Michael's Boat Club and they were actually the search and rescue some of their volunteers were going to the water and our lads them were training them and trying to throw back and how to deal with there's a constant upskilling on constant upskilling mm -hmm. and uh, we have a tr uh, two three training officers that actually kind of make it all logged in and make sure everybody is trained along and that there's when we go out in teams that we all have to have our assist course done and if there's a new member coming on then they're brought out with us but they're kind of observing until you know they they qualify and do their assist course. What so way does that probation period work with a new member? The way it works is that um, when they come on board, they um, like even even with Leo when they come out. Um, first of all, they come out and they do a like an induction kind of evening, and our recruitment officers would bring the people out uh, some night and just go walk about themselves, and just show them kind of the route that we take. And then after that, then they um, they'll actually come out as an observer with the teams on a on a patrol night, and sometimes we got people when they come out with us on the patrol night, um, decided, you know, it's too much for me. Because they're hearing stories and they can't relate. Mm -hmm. to, you know, they, they can relate to them, but it's actually you know affecting them. So they um, they said, look, if I can't help in any other way. You know, and other people will come out with us, and they will say, "Yeah, you know." But I think there's an understanding there from the members that not everybody is going to be able for 
joining the, the group. And there's no judgment there's, there. Either. Oh no, there's no judgment, and that's what we say to everybody. You're not kind of everybody's still learning. No matter if you're there six years, if you're only there six days or whatever, everybody's learning. And we explain that to all the new people. When you're going out, we'd, we'd often say to the new people, when we're on patrol, just because you're with two more experienced people, if you see something, you just say, look, is there somebody over there? Should we check it out? And I said, you know, it only takes a couple of minutes to go over and ask that person, are they okay? So... We encourage people like that, that, you know, that we're not going to catch everything. So they're not relying on us kind of to say, oh, you're going to see it. If you didn't see that person over there, well, you know, they're not important. Everybody's important. So we make them feel important and the new members. And like you said, bring them into the family then and get them to be part of it. And we get them to do... Um, Try and get on the radars as soon as possible to make them feel part of the team, make them get involved and, you know, it actually makes them feel good. Even even a simple thing as, you know what I mean, you know, kind of dig it on the radar, say location check and tell them where we are kind of a thing. And, and to that person, straight away that person feels important to say, yeah, you know, they're involved in me here, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not kind of a, there's no ranking and there's no kind of like pulling ranks and everybody is on the same level and like I say if you're out six years you might you might need to ask a question and say you know if somebody passes and you might say goodnight to them well what we do then is we'll turn around to the rest of the team and say what did you think of that person and we'll get your opinions and next thing we'll come around if we all say mm, dodgy then we say okay we'll go back after that person and we'll talk to that person so we that's the way we kind of talk through as well, you know, because we're not going to say, oh, it'll be all right or something like that, no. Mm. If we're suspicious at all, we'll, you know, we'll go to that person and we'll talk as a team as well. And uh, Tuesday, myself and very English from the coast, mm. we went out briefly, which we were there for an hour, you were out for yes. the full four hours, but yes. it wasn't a nice evening at all, and uh, weather-wise. It was absolutely horrible. Yeah. And the thing about it is, somebody said this one, one night, uh, you know, why are you out in the night like tonight? Why, you know, kind of, it's a miserable night. When a person is down, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what the weather's like. If that person is determined to do something, they'll go out and do it. So we're out there, no matter what the weather is. And, uh, Lucy showed us part of the route that she'd walked mm -hmm. on one side of the bridge, but uh, one thing I noticed, she was saying, you can tell if someone is over somewhere by the silhouettes. So she looks yes. at the lights on the other side of the river. But it's not really well lit up down there, is it's it? It's not, no. No, it's very badly lit up. Um, we have kind of approached some councillors before to try and get um, get it more lit up. But mm -hmm. our fingers are still crossed that they might do something. I imagine there's a lot of uh, other safety river safety issues down there as well we have yeah down by steamboat key it's totally unprotected down there um even um even to get down into the water uh there's um say from steamboat key from shannon bridge down as far as the clayton hotel if we had to go down even down the ladder there's ladders there even to get down so maybe you could uh, tell the listeners about the route you take or what way you would patrol it. I know it's not just 
walking in a straight line. You have to have your head on a pivot, really. We um, usually, when we come down, when we start our patrol, we'll, we'll all come down as far as the dockers, down uh, across the way from house. Usually, we'll have three teams and um, maybe two teams of uh, three and uh, two then and bike patrols. And so one walking patrol will say, right, we'll head off down by the Clayton and the other team then will say, we'll head off towards the Treaty Stone. And we kind of do a figure of it and the bikes then will actually, then they'll go down by um, Arthur's Key and then over down by uh, Grove Island and they go along the canal there and they'll come back then and they'll do um, the back of the courthouse and back onto Nicholas Street then and down over Thurman Bridge back up uh, Clancy Strand, cross over then down Callan Strand and check under the Shannon Bridge and then over the Shannon Bridge and down with the Clayton and then back up and then for the walk and patrol then like I said they'll start at the Dockers and one team will head off first of all sit down by the Clayton, down by Steamboat Key, Clayton then come back over the Shannon Bridge down by St Michael's Boat Club and they'll go straight and we'll get up as far as Sarsfield Bridge then and we'll radio each team to make sure that we always have a team each side of the bridge and that it's covered so we'll radio a team and if they say oh we're just crossing over now and we're in Archer's Key but we're heading towards house then we'll say fine we're heading towards the Treaty Stone and we'll go down in and so a lot of ground covers in one <laughs> yes, yes 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 how is it keeping that momentum for the four hours and the alertness Sometimes it is longer than four hours. It is, yeah. Four hours is unique. It's unique, and it's like the number there that we do. But if you're doing an intervention, or if you're watching somebody, you know, there's often a time there that, you know, it went down two or three hours more. You know that you're going home at six, seven in the morning. And, and to uh, work. And then to work as well. Yeah. You could be doing that as well. So, but um, we. We enjoy what we do and like I said, we get pleasure out of knowing that a family has come to bring that person mm -hmm. back home and there's a full family there as well. And like I said, we don't go around like the Grim Reaper, we have, you know, a bit of a crack and... That's one they, thing I noticed in the base. Yes. And, um, but when an intervention comes, like I was saying to you earlier, that straight away you zone, you're in the zone then. Mm -hmm. And everybody, it's, it works then like clockwork because we all know, like you heard in the base, then we were saying, this is Alpha team, this is Bravo team, this is Charlie team. And we all come in then and we'll, we'll get on the radio if we're with somebody and we'll say we're active, uh, for arguments like active Steamboat Key, mm -hmm. and uh, the rest of the teams know then that we're actually dealing with a person. Um, if we need somebody, we'll say active backup then we're worried about the person and then if we're talking to the person and we're really concerned for that person we usually uh, give them uh, three choices we'll say to them you know we can either contact a family member for you we can either contact a friend for you or if not we'll have to call the, the guards just to take away for your own safety that they're not being arrested but they're only just been taken away from the water because we won't leave the side of the water until that person is taken away safely. Even though a lot of them will be saying, you know, oh, there's more important people than me to worry about. Every person we deal with 
is the number one person. Mm -hmm. They're the most important person. That, and we get that through to the person. And coming back to the documentary, mm. it's been shown the Hunt Museum this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're having a fundraising. Well, it would have, yeah, this weekend we're having a fundraiser screening um, in aid of Limerick Suicide Watch. So that's on tomorrow night, Saturday at 6 pm in the Hunt Museum. So all our tickets actually sold out, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, but there will be like limited seating as well on the door. Um, so the film would have originally, it would have premiered at the Richard Harris Film Festival back in October. Um, but not everyone would have gotten to have seen it then as well. So we, me, Alan and John wanted to do a fundraiser um, for the guys as well, obviously. To say thanks for um, all their filming days with us. And I think it'd be a nice opportunity as well for kind of the people of Limerick that might have had a chance to see it yet um, to kind of come together and... Kind it's of probably see. a documentary everyone Yeah, exactly. And I think in Limerick, it's like such a big, you know, suicide has probably touched most people in the city. Um, so I do think, like, I think that's why as well there's been such a big, there's been a huge response to the screening um, that's going ahead tomorrow night in the Home Museum. Um, like People have been messaging me constantly, being like, can we come still to see it? Are people from Ennis and all around. Um, I just think it's such, you know, people do have great admiration for um the volunteers of the suicide watch and you know people have been affected by it so i think there is a natural interest in coming to see it as well and well, I, I think the reach the group has is a lot that's wider than limerick that's because it, yeah. limerick is fairly multicultural mm. in, in the, mm -hmm. like the university there has people from all yeah, over the country exactly. all over the world you know and i'd, I'd imagine you meet people from everywhere we do, they, and there's no stereotypes either, you know what I mean? They're from all different backgrounds. And like you say, we've we've had uh, people say that would be staying maybe in the Strand Hotel or something and we're on Sarsfield Bridge at night and they'll come over and they say, oh, we're from Orlando or we're from Australia and, you know, what do you do? And they're telling us their stories from yeah. from over there, you know, and yeah. there's... Um, then a lot of them would say, we'd never realised, you know, how serious mm. suicide is, is here, you know. Yeah. And Limerick is one of the, the highest rates of suicide. Mm. And the thing is, what I think about Limerick is, as I said, Limerick, we all consider the sporting capital. And our Limerick comes together for that. And for like the likes of us in for Suicide Watch, we want Limerick we're doing something about it. We're not just talking about it. Mm -hmm. We're doing something about it. And when all the people in Limerick come together and say, look, mental health and people that are suicidal, we're not just going to stand back. Mm -hmm. We're going to do something about it. It touches and everyone. It touches everyone. And I think if anybody says it, it doesn't. Do you know? I don't think they're trying to do it because everyone, indirectly or directly, Yeah. yeah. It touches. Like when we were doing research for the film, um, like Limerick has been named, it's like twice, I think twice the, about two years ago anyway, it was twice the That's national right. average, which is crazy. Like it's literally double of what Dublin suicide rate is, considering the population is like a lot lower. So even when we heard that, it was before we even met um, the Suicide Watch, it was just like crazy. That's why we kind of wanted to make the film as well to, you know, raise awareness that, People do need to kind of talk, 
to each other about you know if they aren't feeling great or you know talk to someone like Nimmer Seaside Watch or Peter House or you know just to be able to you know realize that it is affecting a lot of people and you know it's okay if you're not feeling great we'll just, yeah. get, we'll just go out and chat and also I think it's a good way of showing you know because at least with a film as well it would hopefully maybe get into some more film festivals this year um I think it'd be good for other people in other counties in Ireland as well to be able to see um you know what the organization does and maybe you know they might be inspired I know that there is kind of similar groups in Galway I think now Galway, and, but you know yeah, like even in Dublin they don't have anything like yeah. that um because I'm I'm living up in Dublin now and I was telling people up there like what the film's about they're like what there's a volunteer they couldn't get over that people actually go out and have to do that because the problem like it is such um a big issue in the city that you know 72 volunteers actually have to go out yeah. and do that um to save people's lives um, so I think hopefully the film has spread awareness of all of that. <laughs> you, you also mentioned the fundraising, which yeah, is a massive part for absolutely. you. Absolutely. Overall, it's going. Massive, I'd say, isn't it? Absolutely. It keeps us going. We're talking about maybe 40,000 a year, you know. And, and yeah. that's all voluntary, you know. That's we're the likes of Leah and yourself promoting us, mm. you know. Otherwise, we'd be gone. And how can people get involved to donate fundraise? They can go on, like we were talking earlier on, onto our app. And there's actually a part in there if they want to uh, to donate to us. Um, they can go on and even email um, uh, Lucy. Her, uh, her address will be actually be on the app as well. For, she's the PRO and she will actually organise meeting up with those people and uh, they can arrange then whatever whatever donations or whatever event they want to have and um we also have um we 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 do and we encourage even schools even to contact us that we go and we do talks in schools um because you know it doesn't matter what age you are you know you hear of younger people these days you know um thinking suicidal thoughts and then for we want to go into the workplaces as well, because sometimes, as I even said, I think in the interview uh, with Leah, that we feel that uh, sometimes we're only like a piece of chewing gum, that we're only a stopgap, that we'd love to be able for somebody, if there's a problem, if you're working in a company and you're working on a machine and the machine keeps breaking down, your boss is going to come down to you and he's going to say, look, this is breaking down too much. We have to stop, think, and get to the root cause of this. And I'd love to see something happening, you know. And like that, they're trying to do stuff in schools now, kind of, and make people aware, make the kids aware of it, and make and educate the teachers. But in the workplace, which I think is, is even more important, because at that stage, the people that are in working, they're earning a wage to keep their families going. And if they've been bullied at work, if they've been overworked, if they're getting, uh, you know, slight comments and um, uh, physically or abused or mentally abused kind of at work, just because they're an adult, they're human mm -hmm. and it gets to them. And 
we'd love for you know health and safety and human resources all to get together and come down and say you know it's not just safety goggles it's not uh, steel toe caps and, and it's your health you know all that work that's on your desk all that work you have to do you know i want you to stay working t five more hours or over than your normal rate you know that's not that's not good for anybody you know it, it, it has to get back to kind of saying look we have to try and nip this in the bud you never get rid of it but you'll always you know if everyone tries their little bit yeah. to say what can we do to make it encourage people to talk even at work to come out and say don't be afraid to say oh my manager he's giving me hell go into HR and HR say look okay we'll back you we're not we're not just because we're management we're not taking management side mm -hmm. we we will back you we will listen to your case your loyalty to the company is going to be the same way the company's loyalty to you and that works both ways and once that works these that's some cog that's back mission to get it right and a lot of the training you do was actually available to everyone Everyone. Like the assist training. The assist training is, is a, a, f a full two-day course, yeah. which is free from the HSE. There's a Safe Talk course, which is free as well, through the HSE that they can do. Anybody can do it. You don't have to wait to join us to do it. You just can contact um, the, uh, the HSE during St. Joseph's Hospital, and um, they, will, um, they will arrange for you for the next time to, there is an assist course coming up. Anybody can do it. Which is actually brilliant then for us when if people show an interest they can come in and say, Oh uh, well I have the assist on. That's brilliant for us straight away. And um when they join us then like I say, we do the, the first aid, um, we do the radio training, we do the throwback training, uh like I said, we had the search and rescue kind of with people in the water training and um well it's ongoing all the time. Mm -hmm. The the training, you know, and we being refreshed on them so and not one person you know people say oh well I didn't know whether I'd be able to hand it or what would happen if it was on my own nobody would be left on their own there's always a team there everybody there is like you were saying we're like a family it's teamwork that's what that's the secret that and Leah uh, what's next for the film documentary um well as I said earlier it was premiered there in October um in the Richard Harris Film Festival so it's kind of starting its festival run now so um we're waiting to hear if we're getting into film festivals for um the rest of the year um it just screened an online festival there as well the lift off sessions um so yeah so hopefully um kind of the film festival runs kind of last about a year so there's a good few festivals now coming up until December so hopefully we'll kind of tour around <laughs> Um, in Ireland and hopefully even abroad as well so kind of get as big a reach as possible so yeah what you'd really love to see happening is I don't know whether it still does it so long since I've been to a cinema to see a film but <laughs> do you know before when you went to a uh, film there was always a kind of a little short film on beforehand before the main film yeah I'll hurry sure as my marketing if that was <laughs> if that was put in oh, yeah. before a main yeah. film because people are going in to see the film yeah. Look at the audience. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
It is a good idea. Yeah, like I just want to. So at the moment, um, people can view the trailer. It's on the Facebook page. It's just it will rise at the moon. They'll be able to find it. Um, or my website is Aldia Morgan Media. You'll be able to see the trailer there. Um, but eventually after um the festival run, it will be available online. Um, kind of down the line as well. Um, some festivals don't kind of allow you to have it online at the moment. So, um. But hopefully, even if the screening, like tomorrow, if it's such a success and there is a demand, mm. we'll probably hopefully maybe organise another screening as well. Because um, I think it is, it's a good opportunity just for people in Limerick um, and outside counties to kind of get to see it as well, mm. you know. Thanks very much for joining us today, Thank you so much. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking us. Thanks so much. Cheers. You've been listening to We Are Limerick, a Limerick Post podcast. For more news, sport, entertainment and more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie.